I'll say to all of you ladies out there, whether you're moms or whether you're uh, ladies that are giving yourselves to other things God has called you to at this moment in your life, I say thank you for all that you do. Well, let's get right in today into the Word, and we're going to be talking about being people of prayer. You know, as a mom, I was always trying to get into my kids' heads and, you know, know what they're thinking and know what's going on in their brains and looking for moments that we could have those uh, life conversations together. One of those times happened when we were watching the movie Lord of the Rings. And my guys loved that series and they loved it. And I saw there were two very distinct female characters in this movie. They were um, Eowyn the elven princess who was absolutely perfect, and Arwen, who was the shield maiden of Rohan. And they were both very strong characters, but very different. So being a good mom, I grabbed that moment and I said to my boys, hey guys, if you were going to choose a wife, is it Arwen or is it Eowyn? And they looked at me and said, Eowyn? And I was surprised because I thought they would choose the absolutely gorgeous elven princess. And I was like, okay, but Arwen is beautiful. She is perfect, everything about her. And one of my boys spoke up and he said, Mom, Eowyn jumps in there, grabs her armor, and goes into battle with them. I want a wife that's going to grab her armor and fight with me in the battle. Well, I walked away and went in the other room and said, yes, they got it. It's not all about what's on the outside. Even both of these characters in the story, they, they move along to the point of finding their own strengths and weaknesses and their unique abilities as the battles of life come up against them. But we see that being able to grab that armor, being able to put ourselves in the midst of whatever God has going on in our lives and grabbing the tools that God has given us and being able to go into the battle and conquer. Well, the one tool that we have that God has given us that is so powerful is that tool of prayer. It's the greatest weapon we could be given. You see, when we pray or when we say to someone, Hey, I'm praying for you. And haven't you heard that a lot the last few months as we've been in the middle of this whole situation with the COVID virus and quarantine and isolation? People that I have never heard pray before saying, hey, I'm praying for you. But what I really love is the one that says, I'm sending good thoughts your way. Well, thanks for the good thoughts, but I really need the prayer right now. What does it mean when we say we're going to pray for somebody? And how would our world be different if we really did what we said we're going to do, if we really prayed like we say we're going to? What does that mean when it says, I'm going to pray for you? Am I saying I'm going to lock myself in my prayer closet for hours and pray until I have find an answer from God? Does it mean I'm going to pray for you while I'm doing my dishes and your mind, your face pops in my mind? Am I going to stop while I'm doing my errands during the day and say, Lord, I remember my sister. I remember my brother. Lord, they're in need. They need you to touch them. Does it mean while I'm driving the family car, I'm going to be praying for the protection? 
and the safety of my family throughout the day. I loved it Friday night when one of the moms shared that she and her two daughters on the way to school every day pick a random car and they pray for that person that's in the car. What a great way to start your day with your kids and learning how to pray. Prayer may be just repetitive for you, for something maybe you've learned just how to recite a prayer, or maybe prayer is really relational. So we're going to talk about prayer today and what prayer really is and how we can use this weapon called prayer. You see, prayer is like a brush, an artist brush that moves us from the reality, from what we don't see, to reality. Hebrews says it like this, faith shows the reality of what we hope for. It's the evidence of what we cannot see. There's a story in the Old Testament about a man named Jehoshaphat. He was facing a battle that he couldn't see any way they could win. They were going to, into an impossible situation. But God told him, what I want you to do is a little bit unconventional. I want you to send out first the singers. I want you to send out the musician. I want you to send them out to sing before the armies ever reach the battlefield. And so Jehoshaphat obeyed. He sent out the singers and they exalted God with their song. Well, this is what the book of 2 Chronicles says in chapter 20, verses 21 at 22. At that very moment, they begin to sing and give praise to the Lord. And the Lord caused the armies of their enemies to start fighting against each other. You see, what they couldn't see in their self, what they couldn't see in the natural, God did in the supernatural through their prayers of praise and exalting the Lord. Several years ago, we got the opportunity to go to Florence, Italy. And I love art and I love music, so it was a great time and a great trip for me. We went to the Uffizi Gallery, a part of the Pitti Palace there, and we're looking at all of the beautiful, beautiful works of art. Well, I wanted to see a Michelangelo. I wanted to see the real thing. I wanted to see the master's work. So when we're walking through the galleries, I'd see a picture and I'd think, is that a Michelangelo? And I'd go over and look at the plaque and read it. No, it was a good piece of art. It was a good work, but it wasn't a Michelangelo. And so we kept working our way through the gallery and looking at pictures and I kept thinking, I want to see a Michelangelo. Then we turned the corner and we walked into a room and I'm telling you, I stopped in the door. It was absolutely breathtaking. It literally took my voice. It took my breath away when we walked around the corner and there was this wall-to-wall work of Michelangelo. It was perfect. It was breathtaking. The art, the form, the light, the colors, the brilliance. It was reality on that wall. You see, a master can look at a canvas and see not a blank canvas, but a master looks and sees what they see in their mind and what that man was able to put into reality from what came from his mind. As a matter of fact, it was so wonderful and his art was so amazing that people came from around the world. 
that people came from all over just to watch the master at work. Other artists would come and sit in the galleries and just watch him with a canvas and a brush. And the hours he took just to mix the colors because they were hoping to learn something from the master's hand. That was much the same way as it was with the disciples as they followed Jesus. They had heard the teachings of John the Baptist. They had seen others. They had grown up knowing the, the life of the being Jewish and following after the teachings of the Torah. But there was something about Jesus that was the master's hand at work. And when they followed him and they watched everything about his life, they knew something was different. Well, they watched him as he prayed. And there was something different about the way Jesus prayed. You see, it was that master's brush at work. Jesus not only prayed prayers that they were familiar with, but there was something unique about the way he taught to God. You see, prayer is not only a brush, but prayer is a bridge that takes me from where I am to where I need to be. The disciples saw in Jesus that work that was not just a master's hand that was bringing something into reality, but they saw that when he prayed, things changed. And they saw that when they prayed, it didn't quite have the authority and it didn't quite have the power as when Jesus prayed. So they said to him, Master, teach us to pray. They didn't want to pray like they prayed anymore, but they wanted to pray like he prayed. And so they asked him, teach us, Lord, how to pray. And that prayer in their lives then became the bridge that moved them from where they were in their relationship with God, in their understanding about who God is, and it moved them to where God needed to them to be and where God had planned for them to be. You see, when they said, Jesus, teach us to pray, he started out by teaching them how not to pray. Well, let's just read it together. This is what he says. When you pray... Don't be like the hypocrites who love to play, pray on the public street corners and in the synagogues where everyone can see them. For I tell you the truth, that's all the reward they will ever get. But when you pray, go away by yourself. Shut the door behind you and pray to your father in private. Then your father who sees everything will reward you. When you pray... Don't babble on and on like the Gentiles do. They think their prayers are answered merely because of repeating words again and again. Don't be like that. For your Father knows exactly what you need even before you ask Him. Jesus showed them that prayer was a relationship. When He prayed, He prayed, Father. That was something brand new. They had always prayed to God Almighty. They had prayed to Jehovah. They had prayed to Yahweh. But Jesus prayed in a way that showed his relationship when he taught them to pray, our Father. Not just his Father, but my Father. Jesus prayed with authority. 
Jesus prayed in a way that even those that weren't his followers were saying, where does he get this authority he's praying with? What authority does he have to pray like this? Jesus prayed with confidence. And Jesus prayed with undeniable results. You see, prayer is more than just spoken words. Prayer is more than public deeds. Prayer is more than knowing the right thing to say. Prayer is that bridge that moves us along in our relationship, in our confidence, in the authority that we have in Christ Jesus, and we can see undeniable results. Prayer is also that shield that protects us. There were three young kids in the Old Testament named Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And I can tell you of all of our kids in our Timber Ridge Children's Ministry, they like this story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, except we call them Shad, Shack, and Benny. And they know their story because these three guys, when they were put into a situation where they had to make a decision, what was their commitment to God really going to be? The line was drawn in the sand. Are you going to stand with God or are you going to conform? But see, you, conformity never brings about what we need to see happen in our lives. It never brings us to that place that God has called us to be. It never brings us to the fulfillment of the promises that God puts in our life. But Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego said, regardless, we are not going to compromise. We're going to stand strong in our faith. We're going to stand solid in our commitment to God. And they said to the king, even though you have built this golden statue, we will not bow to anyone but God. Daniel Chapter 3, verses 17 and 18. The king has told them, if you don't bow down and if you don't worship this idol, then we're going to cast you into a furnace that has been heated up seven times hotter. We're going to throw you in and you will not survive. And this was their response. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to save us from it and he will rescue us from your hands, O king. But even if he does not, we will not bow. We want you to know, O king, that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold you have set up. And we know the rest of the story. They were thrown into the fiery furnace. But even though it seemed like at that moment, maybe they, they were going to lose it all. God was still with them, and God was their shield, their protector in the most difficult and life-threatening of situations. God rose up as their shield and their protector. When my boys were just toddlers, we had taken an afternoon and gone to McDonald's and got our Happy Meals, and they were playing on the playground with a lot of other kids. And there was another child on the playground that was probably, oh, maybe about eight or nine years old. And he went to the top of the slide, and every child that started to climb up the slide, he'd take his foot and he'd kick them back off the slide. Well, I started out trying to be the nice mom, 
So I went up and I said, sweetheart, let's, let's don't do that. Let's let the other kids go down the slide too. And the kid gave me that look like, get out of here, lady. And it kept happening over and over. And I kept looking around thinking, where is this child's parent? And nobody ever stepped up. And this kid had other children crying. The other children were running away. And they kept, uh, some children would keep trying to go up the slide. And he'd take his foot and he'd kick them down. Well, eventually the child decided to go down the slide. And I was waiting at the bottom. When the child came off the slide, I grabbed him by the collar, drug him into the middle of the crowded McDonald's and said, Whose child is this? And a very sheepish father in the corner with his coffee raised his hand. And then we had a little conversation and the rest of the playground was able to go up and down the slide for that day. You see, sometimes we see ourselves as that child that's getting kicked off the slide over and over. We don't come with the confidence. We don't come with the boldness in our prayers of knowing who we are in Christ. But I offer to you today that maybe it's time we see God as that father at the bottom of the slide that's waiting on that bully that's kept kicking you down situation after situation that when you try to climb up, this bully keeps kicking you back and God is waiting at the bottom of that slide to grab that bully and take him back where he came from and say, no more. You see, Jesus said it so beautifully like this. If we who are earthly parents. Well, he actually said it a little stronger than that. He said, if we who are evil know how to give good gifts to our children, how much more does our Father in heaven want to give good gifts to us? He is our sword. He is our protector. He is our shield. He is that sword that brings down the strongholds and advances the kingdom of heaven. Ephesians chapter 3 verse 13 says, Because of Christ, our faith in Him, we can now come boldly and confidently into God's presence. I'm telling you, the kids on that playground didn't have any problem now going up and down that slide. I remember Chris going all the way up at the slide and getting to the top and turn around and waving. It's like, I've got it now. I can go down this slide. There's no bully. There's no one waiting there at the top because he had boldness and confidence. Well, God is like that. He is our sword. He conquers. And we move from that place of saying very simple childlike prayers of now I lay me down to sleep or God is great, God is good, to being able to pray boldly and confidently. We pray as a warrior, a warrior who is confident in their weapons of combat, a warrior who knows his weapon. In the military, our soldiers learn hour after hour after hour to take that weapon apart, to take that, that sword, to take that rifle apart, to clean it, to put it back together. They can do it in their sleep because they've done it over and over again. They are confident with their weapon, not for the moment of combat, but hours and hours before. As a warrior, we're confident with our battle. We're confident with our weapons. But as a princess like Eowyn, who knew her place, who knew her relationship with the father, she was confident in her relationship. We are a warrior who is confident with our weapons 
but we are a princess who is confident in our relationship. As a warrior, we are well-trained, and that comes through studying hours and hours. As a princess, we are confident in the responsibility of the privilege that we have been given as a daughter of the Most High. As a warrior, we study. God has given us His Word to study so that we will know how we should pray, so that we will know how we should fight our battles. But he's also said, come boldly as my child. Come boldly as one with privilege and ask me what you need. As a matter of fact, he says in his word, you have not because you haven't asked me. Just come ask and try me and see if I won't supply all of your needs. We pray as a warrior who answers to the highest authority. They came to Jesus and said, look, I'm a man of authority. I understand this. I know how this works. You give the command, I go. You tell me what to do, I go carry it out. I know that all you have to do is speak the word and my child would be healed. As a warrior of the Lord Most High, we understand his authority. It's his word that brings the healing. It's his word that brings the victory. It's his word that goes before us and puts the enemy to flight into 10,000 directions. But as a princess, we understand that authority. And we don't come in very nonchalantly and coldly and say, hey, go do this, God. We come in and we say, Father, this is what I need. I need you, and I know that you have the authority to make it happen. I pray as a warrior who fights to the very end of the battle. We don't get halfway through the battle and say, you know what, this is too hard, I'm going home. But a warrior stays and he fights to the very end. But a princess also understands the power of intercession. And just like that warrior, we stay on our knees until God gives us an answer. Sometimes that comes in a moment. Sometimes it comes over a period of time. I know one time that God gave me a promise that he was going to answer my prayer. I wish I could tell you it had come in a moment, but it was five years before God answered that prayer. But I continued to pray. That's what intercession is. And no one understood intercession like Paul. If anybody had the right to say, hey, God, this is tough. I'm in a bad situation. You need to step up for me. It was Paul. But Paul didn't do that. Paul understood the power of intercession. And he got on his knees and he began to intervene. And he began to say, God, I come before you today and I stand before you for those I put on the armor. And I stand before you, God, and those that are in Ephesians, they need you today. Paul understood the power and the prayer of intercession. Paul also understood that it's not just our prayer, but God is our shield. And God goes before us to protect I asked my son, I said, I need a shield. And he was like, sure, I'll make you one. And he made this for me so that I could show you today. God is my shield to come up and totally cover me at the moment that I need his protection. God is not only my shield and my protector, but God is my sword. 
And I want you to know my boys have given me strict instructions that this is a real sword and I'm to use it gently. Austin, thank you so much for letting me use your sword today. They said, Mom, this thing is sharp. Don't start swinging it around now. You'll hurt somebody. Well, I want you to know that the Bible tells us that God said to us in his word that the words he has given us, his Bible, the the words he has put in writing for us are like a two-edged sword that can totally separate light from dark, that can separate good from evil, that can separate the true from the false. And when we study his word and then we come before him in prayer and we stand before him knowing our place as a princess, but our authority and our power as a warrior, then we were able to stand with him not just as a bystander watching the master at work, not just as someone who's hoping to learn how to use this artist's brush, but we stand with him arm-linked in lockstep with the Son of God himself as a son and a daughter. Let's pray. Father, whether our prayer is a simple one that we learned as a child, now I lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord my soul to keep. Lord, if there's that person out there today that they're at that point of being that simple prayer of commitment to you. Lord, I'm not even sure how I should pray, but today I give my life to you. Father, help them to pray that prayer. And then God, help be that bridge that will take them from where they are now to where you see them. And Father, I pray for my brothers and sisters that we have committed our life to you. Help us to learn this powerful weapon of prayer that you have given to us. Help us to learn, Lord, that we can walk forward in you in strength, in power, in confidence, Lord, with your word as our sword, with your power as our shield, with your authority, O oh Lord, before us and behind us, we know that you desire to do this out of the love of the heart of a father. Help us to be your warrior. Help us to be your prince and your princess. In your name, amen. Amen. You are a model of everything you preach this morning, and I am so <laughs> proud of you. What a great word. And I'm sorry you lost one of your wristlets there, but, um, you know, when you picked that sword up, I was so grateful you didn't have that our first year of marriage. Do you know what I'm referring to? Come to marriage retreat, we'll tell you the rest of the story. <laughs> thank you so much. Honey, thank you for the Word of God this morning. Father, we bless you. We thank you for our mothers on this Mother's Day. I thank you for the women who gave us life. I thank you for the mothers who raised us. I thank you for the example of godliness. And I thank you today for the mother out there who was encouraged by this word of the Lord that Becky has preached this morning. Raise up our women to be intercessors, to be those warriors in Christ, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. God bless you.